Good morning, everyone. My name is John, and I'm one of the members of the church here. Um, from time to time, I'm given the privilege of sharing God's Word. And this morning, we've been going through a series on the Lord's Prayer in Pitlochry Baptist Church. And today, we come to that section, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And that's going to be our focus. Uh, probably you folks would want to sit down because it will be a, a long stand. <laughs> Before we actually come to that, though, um, one of the things about the Lord's Prayer that you can easily miss is that it's plural. As soon as you start, you're reminded that you're part of a family because you say, our Father. It's never my Father. The only person who ever called God my Father was Jesus. No one else used that. So when Jesus said, our Father, immediately we're brought into the realization that we're part of the family of God that spans the whole globe, as we've seen this morning with the people that we've welcomed here. And I hope uh, you can bear with me for a few minutes because in our church family here in Pitlochry, we've had a number of folks who have particular needs at this time. And I want to mention a few of them and then just lead us in a short prayer for them. Um, many of you would know Les Brown, who's terminally ill just down the road in Bulhousie Care Home. And many would also know that his wife, had a bad fall last weekend and broke some bones. Uh, and having gone down to visit their son, who's receiving palliative care in Aldershot, Elaine ended up in hospital in London herself. But yesterday, she was flown back to Dundee, and she's now in Ninewells Hospital in Ward 17. So Elaine's there, Les is here, and their son Murray, who's very ill, is down in Aldershot. Uh, their daughter, Rachel, and her husband, James, and girls from New Zealand are with them just now, but they're scheduled to be going back in a couple of days' time. So there's a whole family who really need our love and prayers and support. But there are others too. You would, if you've got email, you'll have picked up that Mervyn Milne is very ill in Perth Royal Infirmary. And Beryl is spending a lot of time up and down from Kinloch Rannoch to go and be with uh, Mervyn in uh, hospital there. And Eric Sadler had a fall. He too has ended up in Nine Wells Hospital, just a few wards away from Elaine. He's Ward 19, she's Ward 17. These are all elderly folks in our church, and they need our love and support. We also have younger people with needs, and it's good to have Douglas with us today after his surgery, including a bone graft last week. Not nice for a young person to go through that uh, with all the discomfort and pain that can bring, but it's great to see you, Douglas, and we pray a good recovery for you. So can we join together as the family of God as we lift these brothers and sisters before him and bring to our Father their needs? Our Father, how wonderful it is to call you Abba. Father, dear Father, you know us, you understand us, we're precious to you. 
So thank you for that. We lift Les, Elaine, Murray, and all the members of their family before you. We pray that you would minister to each one of them in your loving care, and that at this stage in their life together with such frailty and weakness, you would strengthen them in spirit, and you would minister your grace to them in the name of Jesus. We think too about Mervyn in hospital in Perth, and Beryl supporting him and doing all that long travel day after day. Keep her safe, we pray, and bless them both. Be very near to Mervyn and to Eric and his wife Mildred and all their family. Lord, we're conscious as we pray for these dear brothers and sisters that life is incredibly precious but also incredibly fragile. And none of us knows what tomorrow will bring, but you do, and you go before us, and you're still our Father caring for us, ministering to us. So give to these brothers and sisters what they need today, their daily bread, and may they know your provision. Thank you for Douglas's operation. Thank you that he's here today. Please be with him as he recovers. Give him your strength. And when it's tough, help him to endure and to keep going. And may there be complete healing in this joint. And may the operation be completely successful, we pray. We ask your blessing on our pastors, David, who's on holiday with his family, and Ken, who's here today. And we pray that you would use them for your glory. And we take a moment, Lord, as the family of God, reflecting this global family that we're part of. We take a moment to bring before you those who are on our hearts. Maybe others don't know who they are, but you do. So we lift them before you. We pray grace and mercy for those who are bereaved and still feel the pain of loss. We pray help for those who are struggling, healing for those who need your touch in their lives and forgiveness and pardon for those who've turned away from you. Hear our prayers as we bring them all in the name of Jesus, and help us now as we look into the Scripture. In His name we pray. Amen. Here's a question. Who said this? It was the best of times and the worst of times. Charles Dickens, well done. Which book? A Tale of Two Cities, well done. It's good to know that you're still with me. <laughs> this sermon might be the best thing you've ever heard, and it might be the worst thing you've ever heard. It all depends, and it's going to be in two parts. So this is the first part of the sermon. The good news is always good to come first. Another question in the Lord's Prayer, um, if you could clear that off the screen just now, Ian, please. That will come much later. <laughs> in the Lord's Prayer, we use three words. We use sins, debts, and trespasses. Which one is it? When you read Luke's Gospel, his version of the Lord's Prayer has sins 
when you read Matthew's gospel, which we've been working from, at first Matthew says debts, but then Jesus, a few verses later, talks very clearly about sins. So when Matthew says debts, he's not thinking about um, financial debts, but instead thinking about the debts that we accrue to God through the sins we commit. It's almost like every sin we commit is another debt on the pile, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Where did trespasses come in? Well, the story behind that is actually quite a thrilling story. It was William Tyndale, the first man to translate the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English. In 1526, his version of the Bible was published. And for some reason that we don't know, he translated the word that's translated debts initially in verse 12 as trespasses, and it stuck. And when the Anglican Common Prayer Book was being brought into being, that was the, the word that was used, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And incidentally, if you don't know the story, for his pains in translating the Bible, William Tyndale, 10 years later, was executed in 1536 by the order of King Henry VIII, who did not want the common people to read God's Word in their language. So, we owe an amazing debt to William Tyndale, the first person to say, in English, we need to be able to read and hear what God is saying. He was strangled and then burned at the stake, and that was how he was executed. But his, uh, his life was cut short, 42 when he died, so he didn't have time to revise his translation, or he may have gone back to this word and changed trespasses to debts or even sins. So, which is right? I think they've all got something to say to us. Trespass brings that idea of stepping over a line. You know, I know this is wrong. I know it's not where I should be, but I take a step over and I go into territory I ought not to be in. I've trespassed. I've gone where I shouldn't be. Debt is something we can all understand, but moral debt, spiritual debt, when we do something that really offends God, and that mountain gets higher and higher. But in a sense, they're all captured in the word sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins. When I was a young Christian, one of the favorite passages that I read was in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. Um, as you know, those who live in Putlockery, I'm uh, quite a keen bowler now, sometimes successful, more often not successful. But quite often folks will say something and then apologize to me at the bowling club, or they'll make a comment about me being a bit holier than them. And I enjoy saying to them, I'm a sinner just like you. 
but I found someone who can forgive and deal with my sins. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves, and there's no truth in us. But John goes on to say this, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Hear those words? Every wrong, every sin we've ever committed. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrong, from all unrighteousness. The slate can be wiped clean. How does it happen? The late Jim Graham had a wonderful saying. He said, the way that sin leaves the body is through the mouth. If we confess our sins, if we say, Father, I really am sorry. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I confess my sins to you. Then the Bible says He's faithful and just, and He will forgive our sins. Last week, I sent a message out to my Facebook friends, and I said, help me with my sermon preparation for Sunday. Uh, that wasn't taking an easy way out, but uh, I thought it would be interesting to know how would you describe the experience of being forgiven by God? And I got lots of great replies. Here's a selection of them. Someone said, I was given love I didn't deserve. Another person said, I've got a new identity now in Jesus. One person talked about being forgiven forever. Another talked about the sense of relief being amazed at God's love. One man said, my burden was lifted. Someone spoke about cleansing and healing, being like standing in a, a refreshing shower that just completely cleanses you, not just outwardly, but inwardly. Someone talked about being changed. And here was my favorite one from a, a woman I've known for many years. She said, for me, being forgiven was like seeing the world in daylight after years of wandering about in the darkness with the occasional street lights. And I thought, what a wonderful picture, seeing the world in daylight. The light has come on. And it reminded me of the great hymn of Charles Wesley, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. He visited Newgate Prison in London, spent a lot of time with prisoners there. And one verse of that hymn probably reflects his experience in the prison. And he describes his own experience of God's forgiveness like this. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Wow, what a wonderful description. What does it mean like for you to be forgiven? 
to know that you're forgiven. Maybe you've never asked for that forgiveness. Maybe you've never confessed and said, Lord, please, please forgive me. But the wonderful thing when Jesus taught us to say, forgive us our sins, it's addressed to God. He can, He will, and He does. And we're going to read a psalm now to celebrate that together. And Roy's going to come and lead us, but we're going to read it together. We'll be responsive reading. So, there will be ordinary print. Roy will start the reading off, and then there'll be bold print, and that's for all of us to share in the reading. Thank you, Roy. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, and that they may not drown in the flood waters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like the senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. So we rejoice in being forgiven. And I hope maybe some of you, if you've never been able to sing that from the heart, were able to sing it from the heart just in these last moments. What a great Savior we have. Forgive us our sins. But here's the worst bit. As we forgive those who sin against us, or more accurately translated, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. The apostle Peter once asked Jesus a question, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And for Jews, that was the kind of perfect number. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. In other words, an indefinite number. You never, never stop. 
And then he told a story, and we're going to see that story acted out as I read it. So can I invite those who are in the story to take up their places? We need the king on the throne, the king's servant over there, and the servant's servant down here. Now, these guys are simply going to act out, as I read the story, the parable that Jesus told about forgiving others. Um, but you've all got a part to play in this. Forget Pitlochry Festival Theatre. This is the real big time. This is you on stage, as it were. The only speaking part is the congregation. So, you'll be saying something. Be ready when I hold up your card to see what's on the card, and these guys will be acting it out. Jesus said, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. This man's name is Roy, which apparently means king. So, this is incredibly appropriate that he is the king. <laughs> he decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him 10 million pounds. How much? 10 he couldn't pay. He had nothing to offer. So the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had, even his best guitar, <laughs> be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And then the king was filled with pity for the man, and he released him, and he tore up the debt cancelled, gone. The man was free of the debt. He was so happy. <laughs> then he went out from the king's presence. And when he left the king, he noticed a man walking past, a fellow servant who owed him ten pounds. How much? Ten he grabbed him by the throat <laughs> and began choking him and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They said, Master, it's not fair. But they had to speak very loud because the king couldn't hear them very well. They said, Master, it's not fair. And so when the king heard about this, he called in the man he had forgiven. And he said to him, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. 
shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he had paid every penny. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you, said Jesus, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. A big hand for our thespians here. <laughs> and the man who was released from jail actually earlier, he did get out. The late President John F. Kennedy is reputed to have said once, always forgive, but never forget. You notice what Jesus said in that parable, if you do not forgive from the heart. God knows what goes on in our hearts. We see the outside, but God sees the heart. I love the parables of Jesus. There's a lot of humor in Jesus' parables, but then suddenly the point strikes home and you realize 10 million pounds, how much we owe to God. What about forgiving others what they've done to us? That's more like 10 pounds in comparison. So there's a question and this is a really hard question for every one of us to answer. Who do you need to forgive? Because Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, you can't experience and live in God's forgiveness for you. Now, I don't think we need to rake about in our lives and, and think somehow there must be something there. The Holy Spirit can bring things very clearly to us. And usually when I've talked with people about this, they know very clearly if there is someone they need to forgive. And I've seen people wrestle for years, sometimes decades, knowing that they ought to forgive someone but never actually coming to that point. And it makes them impoverished spiritually. It keeps them enclosed. Later today, um, God willing, we're going on up to Stonehaven area where our youngest grandson has a second birthday bash. And uh, we don't want to miss that later this afternoon. So we won't be around too long after the, the service. But you know, if you're with children and there's a child who's in a real strop and they, they kind of fold their arms in on themselves and they keep tight like that, and as a parent or an adult who cares for that child, you might just want to invite the child to just to open their arms and receive a hug and tell them that it's okay, that, that they can be accepted, they can be forgiven if they've done something wrong that they're still loved and wanted and appreciated. But you can't do anything when the child's arms are locked tight. It's only when they open them up that suddenly they're open to the embrace 
that says you're loved, you're accepted, you're wanted, you're forgiven. And when we don't forgive others, that's us. <laughs> and that's why Jesus says if you don't forgive others, you can't experience God's forgiveness because you're locked in on yourself. And as Tom Wright said in one of his books, the heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. So, in a sense, Jesus is being cruel because He wants to be incredibly kind and gracious to us. So, who do you need to forgive? Or, let me put it another way, who do you need to try and sort out a relationship that somewhere along the line has gone wrong? It might be a trivial thing. Usually, it is quite a trivial thing. I think I've mentioned once here before that in my own family, there was a family feud over a pair of candlesticks, brass candlesticks, and eventually I ended up inheriting them, but my wife said, we're giving them to a charity shop. I don't want these in our house because of the memories. My aunts, some of my aunts fell out with one another and were never, ever reconciled till the day they died. And you think, how tragic, how awful. The late David Watson spoke in his book, Fear No Evil, about dealing with his terminal cancer and going through a period where God was bringing to him people that he needed to be at peace with. So he would write letters, he would make phone calls until he got to the point where he could say, in all honesty, as far as I'm aware, there's no one I need to make peace with. And he went home to be with the Lord. Peace in his heart. We don't know if we'll get times like that. So if there is someone that you need to forgive, if there is a relationship that you need to work at, if there's something you need to do, do it. Don't talk about it. Don't pray about it even. Just do it. It's when you do it, and it's so clearly the right thing to do, that you find the grace of God comes flooding in and makes things so different. So don't put it off. And some of you will say, John, you don't know the things that I've got to forgive others for. I've been lied to. I've been cheated. I've been denied. I've been used. I've been abused. How can I forgive that? Remember Jesus' story. Here's a man who owes 10 million pounds. That's us. Whatever people have done to us, whatever pain we've been through, if the grace of God is in our hearts, then He will give us the grace to say, Lord, I forgive that person. I forgive them. I set them free. You know the bizarre thing, the ironic thing, when we don't forgive people, the person who's worst affected by that is us. It's our own lives that are imprisoned and impoverished. But when we're prepared to say, I forgive, we release all that burden inside us and we make ourselves more of a channel 
potentially for God's grace to someone else. None of us have been crucified, although it may have felt like it at times. When Jesus was crucified, there are seven sayings recorded of what he said on the cross. And in one of them, as he looked on those who had crucified him and were mocking him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. Let's pray together. Father, we've asked for your forgiveness for our sins today, and you meet us, and you forgive us, and you cleanse us, and you set us free. Amazing grace. It's greater than anything we could ever imagine, but you also call us to forgive others. So right now, Lord, search our hearts. Show us any that we need to forgive. And give us grace to say, Lord, I forgive. As Jesus forgave those who crucified him, so may we live in forgiveness. May we know the forgiveness that you pour upon us, that refreshing shower, that light from heaven that brings illumination to the darkness. And may we know the freedom that comes from being the sons and daughters of God who are living out this wonderful Lord's Prayer. So we say, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And to you be glory and praise and blessing for all you've done for us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to hand back to Elaine in just a moment. Please remember, if there has been something deep that has touched your heart today and you want someone to pray with you, at the end of our service there are always folks available to pray. But let me simply reiterate, if God has clearly shown you something you ought to do, then your prayer should be, help me, Lord, as I do this, as I take that action today. God bless you as you do so.